0: Lung cancer is the leading cause of death from cancer in the United States and more than 80% of people develop it from smoking. We're talking today with Dr. Kostas Arnoutakis about what you should know about your risk and when to see a doctor. He's a hematologist and oncologist at UAMS. This is Health Talk, the podcast from the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. I'm Scott Webb. So, doctor, thanks so much for joining me today. We know that lung cancer is the leading cause of death from cancer in the United States and more than 80% of people develop it from smoking. When we talk about the average person, what's the average person's risk for lung cancer?
1: The risk of lung cancer increases with smoking, and uh, there are a lot of other risk factors that we know, but smoking and tobacco use is the number one cause of lung cancer.
0: Why do you think people continue to smoke, and what can we do to help them?
1: Well, that's a great question. Well, smoking is uh, is a form of addiction, and you know one of the problems that we face in our clinic is that people are stigmatized for that. And... Um, They don't get the help, the right help that they need. There's a lot of advertisements that promoted, as you know, uh, smoking in the past. And that was kind of the cultural norm in many ways. So these kinds of things are difficult to get rid of. And uh, a good number of uh, adult people in in the United States uh, smoke. It's about 15 to 16% of adults in the United States that still smoke.
0: I didn't realize it was that high. And when we talk about ways to quit smoking, what are some of the suggestions that you have?
1: There are many available resources uh, to quit smoking nowadays. I think the first step is to talk to your healthcare provider uh, and especially if you uh, think that they are kind of familiar with um, the modern approaches of um, smoking cessation, I think it's very important to um, you know give it a try. There are many things that people can do. The most important thing is to be part of a team that is specialized and experienced with smoking cessation. A lot of people sometimes try to quit smoking by themselves and and that's something that can happen. And there are many stories of people who quit smoking by themselves, but uh, the, the chances um, are that um, they can quit better and they have a, a less risk of relapse uh, if they do that in the proper way. And that is usually a lot of times the combination of uh, pharmacotherapy, uh, such as uh, nicotine replacement therapy, along with behavior therapy. Um, There are many interesting things that uh, people who are specialized in smoking sensation that can do with motivational interviewing and other techniques, because the important thing is not only to quit smoking, but to uh, uh, remain tobacco-free for the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, I think that's the real trick, right, for a lot of people is uh, a lot of people can quit initially, but it's remaining, as you say, tobacco-free. And doctor, what are your thoughts about Chantix and other nicotine replacements like e-cigarettes?
1: I think Chendix is one of the uh, ways to uh, start the journey to uh, quit smoking. This is part of our guidelines as the first line. Uh, pharmacotherapy, along with uh, sometimes nicotine replacement therapy, which usually it's suggested to be in a combined way with uh, nicotine replacement therapy, such as a nicotine patch, along with a short-acting nicotine replacement therapy, like a gum, uh, something like that. You know, e-cigarettes, it's a very hot topic, and a lot of people uh, talk about it, and a lot of people are studying that. There's, There's a lot of emerging data about electronic cigarettes. Uh, but uh, still, um, the guidelines do not support the use of electronic cigarettes as a way to uh, to quit smoking, uh, despite the kind of the anecdotal and uh, limited evidence that we have right now. Uh, so, uh, from my side, um, electronic cigarettes is not highly recommended at this point. But um, you know, uh, the combination of pharmacotherapy and behavior therapy has still emphasize the importance of of having, um, be connected in the right team, which continues to help you in that journey of uh, quitting smoking.
0: Let's go back now and talk about lung cancer specifically and let's talk about screening and who should be screened.
1: People who are high risk to develop lung cancer should be screened and there are some specific uh, criteria for um, electing who needs to be screened. So there are different guidelines right now. Uh, Most of them uh, require patients to be between the age of 55 to 77 or 74 depending on the guidelines and having at least a 30-pack year smoking history, which is essentially something that we calculate multiplying the the number of packs times the um, duration of smoking. So for someone, for example, who smokes uh, one pack a day on average for 30 years has a 30-pack year smoking history. Someone who smokes two packs for 15 years has the same 30-pack year smoking history. There are some other guidelines that um, require patients to be above the age of 50 have uh, at least 20 pack years smoking history and at least another risk factor because there are other risk factors outside of the smoke of the tobacco that we have recognized. So generally speaking, patients who have a high risk to develop lung cancer based on those criteria, they definitely need to talk to their, again, to their healthcare provider and and make sure that uh, they can get a lung cancer screening test, which is usually something that we call a low-dose CT which is essentially a, a CAT scan uh, without contrast that can be done very quickly, literally within a minute, and that can show if there has uh, a nodule, a mass, or something else that needs further workup.
0: Are there any risks related to the screening itself?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, there are, I would say, three Potential risks. One is that um, the scans nowadays are very sensitive, so they can always uh, pick up something that is not cancer. Mm -hmm. That sometimes needs to be worked up, sometimes may require a biopsy, and um, so then you have the risk of, of a biopsy that it's performed in something that it's found to be benign. And that is why it's, it's also important to have this type of workup and screening in in places where they're experienced with uh, lung cancer screening. So it's not just the scan itself, but it's uh, also the multidisciplinary approach um, of uh, working up something that you recognize to be suspicious. For example, in our group, uh, we have um, a radiologist who has a special interest in lung cancer screening, interventional pulmonologist and pulmonologist who can identify if something needs to be worked up further, and um, surgeons and medical oncologists, and a group in general who can determine if someone needs a biopsy or not, and if they don't, what type of workup they will need down the road because something that is very small and it's not let's say suspicious may still need to be worked up just in case it's proved to be lung cancer down the road.
0: And though it does seem like the benefits outweigh the risks as you say there are some possible risks that people need to factor in that the team needs to think about.
1: Right and of course another thing uh, is and we don't know yet in the long run the role of radiation that patients get from many scans down the road that that's there's always a risk and of course the financial toxicity in some ways because um, they can add to the healthcare cost in some ways. However, many studies have shown that actually um, lung cancer screening is cost-effective if you take into account the fact that many patients who, um, if they don't have screening, they may diagnose with um, lung cancer that requires you know treatment, that the treatment itself can also be expensive. So the cost-effectiveness of lung cancer screening uh, is probably... Uh, recognized lately as as being cost effective. And I think that's something to take that into account as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I want to throw you a little bit of a curveball here and just ask you and see if you know uh, what thoughts you have on this or what the data supports. When we talk about COVID-19, are smokers uh, at any higher risk for contracting COVID-19? Or if they do, are they at any higher risk for having a more severe case of COVID-19?
1: Well, I'm not a COVID expert by no means. uh, But the smokers and is is the smokers are recognized as a risk group for developing covet infection and if they do Uh, they have a a more severe case of COVID um, than someone who is a a never-smoker or non-smoker. That's kind of recognized um, from the data that we know, at least uh, the recent data that we know.
0: You know, Doctor, so great having you on today and a lot of great information as we get close to wrapping up here. Is there anything else a person can do to lower their risk for lung cancer besides the obvious, besides, you know, just don't smoke or quit smoking? What else can people do to lower their risk?
1: the risk factors are tobacco but there are other risk factors for lung cancer for example uh, radon uh, is the second most common cause of lung cancer we know that it's not about the active tobacco use only but it's also the secondhand smoking uh... so it's important not to smoke but it's also <laughs> important to be surrounded by people who don't smoke uh, and to encourage policies that um allow uh, smoke-free environments and there are still some environments where people still smoke in um, Places where they can because secondhand smoking is also important as as active smoking is um, So I think that those things are important.
0: So anything else as we wrap up here today anything else you want to tell people
1: the goal is preventing and, and identifying cancer in an early stage and um, you know, if, if you develop lung cancer, still there is a, a plethora of new novel treatments that um, we have right now. Uh, one of them, for example, is something called immunotherapy. Uh, so there's a lot of progress and success over the last uh, 10 years in, in the treatment of lung cancer as well. But obviously, the most important thing is to, to prevent and to identify early on. Many patients with lung cancer oftentimes are are diagnosed in an advanced setting, stage four or stage three, when uh, things are a little more difficult than, for example, if you detect something at the stage one, which is usually the case with lung cancer screening. In many states, uh, lung cancer screening has been embraced. But there are still many other states and places where lung cancer screening, for a variety of reasons, has not been fully embraced.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a head-scratcher, but good to know that it is available uh, for people who live in the area of UAMS. And as you say, prevention, screening, that's the best way to go. Obviously, you know, don't smoke, quit smoking, all good stuff. Great information today, doctor. Thank you so much for being on, and you stay well. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's hematologist and oncologist Dr. Costas Arnotakis. For more information, visit uamshealth.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels and check out the full podcast library for additional topics of interest. This is UAMS Health Talk, the podcast from the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. I'm Scott Webb, stay well.